Welcome back to another episode of the Shag Sports Talk Podcast. So this is a post-game edition of the Shag Sports Talk Podcast. We're going over Yankees Guardians. Yankees take game one. They win four to one over the Guardians. New York with a five-day layoff. They are we're home tonight. We're in the Bronx. Garrett Cole shut down Cleveland. Rizzo and Bader both homeward and the Yankees win. We'll also get you guys ready for Bieber, Cortez on Thursday, Game 2 in the Bronx as well. So that's going to be a big game as well. So we're going to run through Game 1. We'll talk a little bit of Game 2, get you guys ready for that game as well. And then at the end of the podcast, we are going to be talking some NBA. We're talking some basketball. We are splitting up the conference predictions. So I'm going to do the East in this podcast and probably the West in the next podcast. We're going to split up the two conferences because I feel like that would be a really long podcast if I went with the East and West. So we're just going to do the East today and we'll do the west probably in the next podcast so we have a lot to get to i'm really excited garrett called a phenomenal game we'll talk about that in a little bit i'm really excited i don't want to waste any more time you guys already know the deal without further ado let's get ready to do it let's go yankees win Four to one. They take a one nothing lead in the ALDS. Let's talk about Garakol. Phenomenal. Six innings pitch, four hits, one earned run, eight Ks. He had one walk. He did give up a long ball to Quan, but ultimately he was very good. He had 101 pitches, which the pitch count is a little too high, but he looked very, very good. I think a big thing here, I talked about on the podcast, I was afraid of Garakol having that blow up start that Scherzer. Verlander had it today. Max Fried had it today. A lot of these starting pitchers have had these blow-up starts. Garrett Cole did not have that tonight. And I think one of the big things tonight, if you're going to point to something, was his ability of not fearing the moment. And, you know, his first start at Yankee Stadium, that can overwhelm some pitchers. And he took that on as a challenge. And he had numerous spots where big-time at-bats, like here's one, one-two count, with a runner on second, huge strikeout on an off-speed pitch, gets him out of the inning. The big one here with, I believe it was Jimenez, 2-2 count, bases loaded, top of the third. He's got 61 pitches through three innings so far. It's top of the third. This is a huge, huge pitch here, and he delivers an off-speed pitch. It goes right below the zone. Jimenez swings at it, strikes out. That was a huge turning point in the game because the offense then clicked later in that Later in the inning, Bader hits a home run, and then the Yankees were rolling after that. So, to me, the Yankees were feeding off Garrett Cole today. He went six innings pitch, four hits, one earned run, one walk, eight Ks. He did give up the one homer, but he looked very, very good. They had Luizaga in the seventh inning. They had Peralta in the eighth, and then Holmes in the ninth. They shut things down. One of the big things here, and I'm going to talk about this here now, The Yankees losing Scott Efferos. He's going to undergo Tommy John surgery. Huge loss. Tough loss. And he's one of their more reliable arms in the bullpen that they have. And I'm really concerned about the bullpen in in this series moving forward. Yes, I know they won game one. But moving forward into this series, this is not – the Guardians are not going to just fold here. The Guardians are going to continue to battle back. Thursday night's going to be very interesting. Cortez and Bieber on the mound. Bieber on the mound for the Guardians and Cortez on for the Yankees on the mound. That's going to be a big, big game. Because if the Yankees take that game to go up 2-0, I have all the confidence in the world that they're going to win that series and move on to the ALCS where they'll face the Mariners or the Astros. And from watching that, that's going to be a 4-5 or five game series. Just is. Or the Mariners are just going to fold and get swept. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. 
But what I do think is going to happen is that series is going to be competitive. The Mariners today should have won that game versus the Astros. They brought in Robbie Ray, which I thought was the right move from Seattle. And Alvarez crushed, crushed that baseball. Robbie Ray throws one down the plate. And you're up in the count. So to me, throwing one down the plate with Alvarez, who you know is a power hitter. I know it's lefty on lefty. But throwing one down the plate there is just not a smart pitch from Robbie Ray, honestly. Throws one, like, right down the plate. Like, you couldn't throw any more down the plate. And he crushed, crushed that ball. So, in my opinion, that series, that series ain't over. Yankees-Guardians, if they can win, if they win game two on Thursday, that series might be over. Because, ultimately, the Yankees go up 2-0. Yes, Severino McKenzie, I'd give the edge to the Guardians, but I think the Yankees would either win Sunday or if they have to play Game 5 on Monday, they'll win that game. If they lose Game 2, then Game 2 is going to be very interesting. Game 2 is going to be very important. Bieber, Cortez, I think they're two of the most consistent pitchers on their stat, um, each respected staff, so huge game there. I'm going to talk about the Yankees lineup here. We're going to go from top of the order. Judge, he had he was 0 for 3 with 3 strikeouts. He had one walk. I know what you're going to say. You know, he, he was bad. You know, 3 strikeouts. But, again, that's what happens when you hit 62 home runs. You're, go, you're going to take your swings and misses. You're going to have strikeouts. That's going to happen. And I have all the confidence in the world he is going to bounce back. I'm not nervous about this. Rizzo, 1 of 4. But, again, he had a huge home run. Two, a two-run homer that put the Yankees up 4-1. to one. That was a clutch home run from Anthony Rizzo. My big thing here, big thing here, if I, if I had one thing that I'm not happy about here, is Torres, Stanton, and Cabrera combining for 0 of 8 in their at-bats. 0 of 8. I know Stanton had one walk, but again, combining the three guys, 0 of 8 from three to six in your lineup, that's a little concerning, a little concerning. Quantrell was not the best tonight. He didn't have his best stuff. I think as the game went on, they got to him. And then the bullpen, you know, they didn't really stand much of a chance, in my opinion. Because, again, four four runs. The, the Guardians are not built to score five, six runs in a game. They're just not. They are just not built like that. They are built to play low-scoring baseball. Their pitchers shove Bieber, McKenzie, they are built for those guys to shove and have monster, monster games. And the Guardians win a game like two, two to one or three two. Like they're not built to score four, five, six runs in a game. They're just not. They're not. They don't have that high powered of offense. Trevino was good tonight. Not really as a hitter. I know he had the sacrifice fly that drove in IKF, but he was very good defensively as a catcher tonight. Very good. He had a he did a very good job framing some of Garrett Cole's off-speed pitches that were low in the zone that were called strikes. He did a very good job. Bader had a home run. He he needs to be starting. And I know LeMay, he's great and all, but I know they don't play the same position. But Harrison Bader was phenomenal. And I know LeMay is off the roster. And I'm I'm kind of upset about that because I love watching DJ LeMay. DJ LeMay is kind of the guy they need right now. A guy that's a contact hitter, going to put the ball in play. Like, that's a guy they kind of need. Bader is that. And then he took one deep today. He took one deep. And Bader, I just think, is an all-around great player. 
Like, he can run the bases. He's a very good defender. He's a solid hitter. Like, he he had a very good game tonight. Very good hit. Very good game. Uh, IKF, well, I'll save the IKF thing for now. IKF was just not it. Uh, he was he just wasn't it tonight, and it's okay. I think the big thing here with IKF is that, you know, maybe that the crowd got him a little bit, honestly. Maybe he'll play better in game two. Look, I'm going to say this. Yankee Stadium tonight in the Bronx was rocking. It was rocking tonight. It was very, very loud, and for someone like, an IKF or Oswaldo Cabrera, someone like that who's, you know, not played in that, you know, high leverage, you know, game. Like that that could, you know, intimidate some guys. It could. It could intimidate some pitchers. It happened tonight with the Guardians a little bit. As the game got on, Yankee fans, you know, got a little bit louder and I think that Quantrail got a little bit rattled a little bit towards the end of his you know, end of his pitching day, right? He went eighty four pitches through five innings and as the end it got worse. Right. The Yankees started figuring them out. Yeah, they were figuring them out through the first two or three innings, and then they really got on to Really got on to Again, big thing tonight, Garrett Cole was phenomenal. Phenomenal. He was huge tonight. I'm going to tell you this right now, the Yankees. It was a great win tonight, but they can't get over overconfident. And, get, and again, one thing I want to touch on. Their at-bats tonight were very, very good. Very, very good. On both ends, too. I know the Guardians did not produce runs, but their at-bats, Quan, Rosario, I know you went 0-3, but Jimenez had a very good at-bat, some very good at-bats. Gonzalez had some good at-bats. Uh, Ramirez was very good tonight. Again, the Guardians are not built to score six, seven runs in a postseason game. They're built to win these games two to one, three to. They're built to score low scoring games with their pitchers pitching ridiculously well. That's that's their goal. They're expecting, you know, the win games with Bieber holding down the Yankees to one or two runs. They're expecting McKenzie to hold down the four. Like the pitchers with the Gardens have a lot of pressure because the one thing is that what they don't do is they don't hit home runs. They don't have home runs. So if you get a good team that, you know, can control some of the, you know, the contact hitting and can, they can pitch their way around that, they, the, the Guardians could have a very, very hard time in this series. Because I'll say this about Cortez. Cortez is very, very, is a very good pitcher. And the one way that, you know, I've seen that, you know, when he does give up a lot of runs, a lot of them are long balls. They're not a lot of contact, and he gets hammered, you know, with base hit after base hit. And I feel like that's not sustainable versus Yankees team who's going to score four or five runs. Because, as you saw, Quantrill kind of struggled. He was very good July and on, and tonight he got hammered by the Yankees line. That, this Yankees lineup is tough, man, because – they score four or five runs every game. They're going. To, they're going to win. They're going to sweep the Guardians, in my opinion. I don't see the Guardians in this series scoring more than four runs. So that's a big thing, and I think the big thing here, the Guardians. I'm not nervous about the pitching. I'm nervous about them uh, producing runs. That's the only thing that I get a little bit nervous about as I watch the Guardians here. I'm very confident here as a Yankee fan because I watch the Guardians and I just see them not being able to pr- produce runs. Outside of Quan's home run, they did nothing. Nothing. And yes, they got runners in scoring position. And they had more hits than the Yankees tonight. But in the end, they 
didn't produce runs, and that's a huge thing because if the Guardians are going to get past the Yankees and play the Astros or the Mariners competitive, they're going to need to produce runs. And that is my say on the Guardians. It's the big thing. They're going to need to produce runs. Yankees looked very good tonight. I'm very happy where they're at. I thought this game was going to be a lot closer, and honestly, as a Yankee fan, Yo, with the feeling in school today, I 100% thought we were going to lose this game tonight. I 100% thought we were going to lose. You know, I was at practice for football, and I'm like, we're going to lose this game. I, like, I was so not confident in this Yankee team today. Like, I was just like, yeah, Garrett Cole's about to have a blow-up star. And, you know, because to be honest with you, as a Yankee fan, I haven't seen Garrett Cole pitch well in front of the big time, in those big-time, high-lever situations. And I don't really care about 2020 postseason because, again, there's no fans. And, again, the crowd can scare some of these pitchers away. It could. The bright lights, they sometimes get to you. Garrett Cole did not shine away tonight, and that's for sure. He was on his game. So before we end this here, shout out to Garrett Cole. And honestly, I'm so happy for the guy. I know they like to make the Kermit the Frog jokes, but ulti- they're funny. But ultimately, Garrett Cole, phenomenal game tonight. Yeah. He was... Honestly, I was I was you know I was watching the game. He was incredible, incredible. Couldn't ask anything more from him. So that'll do it for here. We'll probably be on. We might be on the Yankees game two post game. I don't know. I don't know because we got an NFL podcast to record. So I don't know about game two. But I think we might have a Saturday podcast right after game three, depending. I don't know. So be be on the lookout for baseball because we will have a podcast for baseball posted for soon for the Yankees. That'll do for this segment of baseball with the Yankees. I'm really excited for game two. Game two is huge. I I don't want to say it's a deciding game, right, because it's overreaction, but this is a huge game. They, they win this game. They take this game. I don't expect them to take it, but if they take this game, I think they got the series in the back. So game two on Thursday night in the Bronx is going to be huge. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Talking NBA Eastern Conference predictions, so we'll take quick break. Take quick break. We'll be right back. So that's time to hand out my 2022-2023 NBA predictions. We're gonna go through the Eastern Conference today. I don't know when the Western Conference will be out. By the way, the Western Conference is a mystery, but we'll get to why I think that when I do put out the podcast and you guys are able to listen. So make sure you have your Make sure you have your uh, post notifications on for Spotify or wherever you get your podcast because I don't know when this podcast can come out. I know it's going to come out before Tuesday. That's the only thing I can guarantee. It will be out before Tuesday. It, co- it could come out tomorrow. It could come out Tuesday. I don't know. So make sure you have your notifications on so when that podcast does come out, you guys can listen to it. So let's get into it. I'm going to go from 15 to 1. At number 15, it's the Indiana Pacers. They're in the Victor Webb and Yama sweepstakes. They're going to be looking to hunt for that number one overall draft pick. There's a bunch of teams that are going to be doing that, but I think the Pacers are one of the heavy favorites in terms of teams in the Eastern Conference. I think they are the heaviest favorite to finish last. They got some young talent in Halliburton, Duarte, Heald, Jalen Smith, and Miles Turner. By the way, the NBA is deep as if I've, I've ever seen it, personally. It, a lot of talent, a lot of solid teams, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a little bit because it's more really the playoff teams. But the NBA is very talented currently. Halliburton, Duarte, Heal, Jalen Smith, and Mothero will probably be their starting lineup. And Mathurin coming off the bench. They got a great uh, 
core of young talent. Here's the thing, though. They're going to sell on Buddy Heald by the deadline, trade deadline, which is in February. It's a long time from now. And they're also going to sell off a Miles Turner. The thing here why I think they're going to sell off a Miles Turner is because they're going to want some draft picks, right? This is not just, you know, just a tank for Victor. Like, this is going to take time. Even if they get Victor, they're going to, you know, them and Turner, that just doesn't fit well, in my opinion. So I think they're going to trade him and try to get an additional first-round pick. Whether that's in this year's draft or next year's, it doesn't matter. They're going to try to get a draft, a first-round draft pick out of Miles Turner. I think they'll be able to do it. So I think they got a great piece of young talent. The thing is, though, I don't know. I think they have a little bit too young talent. And then, like, if you look at, like, their bench, their bench isn't great. Out of Matherin, they don't really have much. They don't. Their bench is pretty mediocre, and that's the big issue. And that's why I think they're going to finish last. This, you look at the lineup, it's like, ah, it's not terrible. If Smith can, you know, produce into the top 10 pick that he was, what was he selecting? I'm pretty sure he was selecting the top 10 Jalen Smith. If he can play into that role, I'm pretty sure it's definitely top 15. If he can play into that top 15 pick that he was picked, like, two years ago, then this team could not finish last, but yeah, I don't think he's going to be the sole reason. I have this team finishing last simply because I just think that they're going to sell on Heald and Turner, and, and this team's going to look really bad by the trade deadline. They're going to lose a lot of games beforehand, and they're going to lose a lot of games after the trade deadline. So I have them finishing last. At number 14, I have the Orlando Magic. Look, they have a really good nucleus of young talent in Orlando, but the big thing here is that it's culture building, right? You can't just, you know, put a bunch of young talent on a basketball court and expect to make the playing tournament, right? That's not how it works. It takes time to build it takes time to build that team up, right? They got a great nucleus of Franz Wagner, Jalen Suggs who got her. I don't I don't know if he's out for the year, I have to check. Cole Anthony, Paolo Bencaro, Wendell Carter, Jonathan Isaac, like they got some good young talent. RJ Hampton, they got very good young talent. The big thing here, though, is that, you know, a lot of these guys get hurt. And I think the only way they make the play-in tournament is that Franz Bogner takes a step up than he did last year. And I do think he will, but I think it has to be a pretty big step up. And Bancaro has to be averaging at least 21, 22 points per game if they're going to make a play-in push, in my opinion. I know it's a lot, but this team... Again, big issue is that their lack of depth. And I think that's what separates now currently the good and bad teams. Orlando's a bad team this year. And if you look at the playoff teams compared to Orlando, they all got depth. They all do. They all do. Even the eight seeds, they got serious depth. So I think that's the big thing when you look at the NBA. The best teams have serious depth. And you'll see that as, you know, when I start talking about some of these teams. So I think they got a great head start on their rebuild. I do. They won the Nicole Vucevic trade. They won that trade. Won that trade. Great job from the front office. That was a they scammed the Chicago Bulls because they got Franz Wagner out of it. They won that trade, and they I'm pretty sure they own their first round pick this year as well. So that was a win on their part. I do think this team's very talented, but ultimately, I just don't see them finishing anywhere in the top twelve. Personally. That's just me. At number, what is it, number 13, I have the Washington Wizards. Uh, Here's the thing. Again, they have a bunch of really solid players, but their defense is going to be horrendous. Horrendous this year. Horrendous. 
Bradley Beal is a superstar, right? He's a top 20 to 25 player in the league. He is. He's a top 20, 25 player in the league. He will get you 28, 29 per, points per game, right? But their defense is terrible. Porzingis is going to be playing center. He's going to have to guard Joel Embiid. He's going to have to guard like, some of his like, best centers. Like I have big issues with that. And, yes, they got some talent, but I feel like they're just your definition of mid. Like, Porzingis, Kuzma, Monte Morrison, Barton, and then you got Beal. Like, that's a bad lineup. It's just a bad lineup. It just is. And they really don't have much to look forward to. Like, do you think Kuzma's going to take a step up in production that he did last year? Because Kuzma last year, Kuzma last year was great. Kyle Kuzma played phenomenal last year. Phenomenal. And I think he overachieved last year. He, had, he averaged, for like, close to 18 points per game, close to nine rebounds. He had near three or four assists. And, you know, he ranked, you know, in the top 15 points. He was top 25 in rebounds. Like, he was very, very good. And do you think he's going to take a step up in production? I think that if you're going to talk about them making the plan, that's what you have to bank on. You have to bank on Porzingis coming back to somewhat of that form that you saw in Dallas a little bit and a little bit of the New York Porzingis. But you also have to bank on Johnny Davis and Gafford and Hachimura and Kuzma all stepping up. And I think that it's a lot to ask of this team. And I don't think they're better than the next two teams about the name. So that's just me. At number 12, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm not a fan of this team either. I think between them and Washington, they're both very similar. They both have stars, LaMelo Ball and Bradley Beal. But the big difference here is that I think that they just, honestly... It's kind of the talent a little bit. Like, James Booknight, I think, will really get the chance to have the opportunity. And I think that you look at their starting lineup, you compare starting lineups. Like, Jalen McDaniels is solid. Mark Williams, I think, will be very good for them. You got Rozier. Like, I like that backcourt of uh, Ball and Rozier, personally. Hayward's solid. You got P.J. Washington, who's solid as well. I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries, and that's why I kind of have them lower than people have them. That's the big reason I have them lower than people have the Charlotte Hornets. It's because of their injuries. But I do think that this team, they just lack defense. This team's going to be terrible in defense. And that's why I need to start Mark Williams, because Mason Plumlee is not a great defender either. Like, LaMelo trying to guard Trey Young or having to guard, you know, DeJounte Murray or him trying to guard Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland, like, on the outside. And I'm not saying he's a bad defender, but it's asking a lot where he's, you know, facilitating on offense and, you know, he's creating 85% of your offense and then he's got, you know, guard all the top guards, you know, on defense. So I think it's going to take a lot of him this year. I know he's out one to two weeks. He'll probably miss the opening and be back for like November or so. But I think this team's solid. But again, Miles Bridges, that that hurts a lot because I would have easily have him the playing game, but the Miles Bridges then killed him. So they're at number 12. At number 11. And I was very, very close from putting this team in the play-in. The Detroit Pistons. I really like the Pistons this year. And it's odd because you look at them and, you know, you're like, like, what is so impressive about them? Not, I'll tell you what I really like about the Pistons. Here's their lineup, okay? Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bey, Bondanovich, and Stewart. Number one, that team defensively is not going to be bad. They got Dwayne Casey as their as their head coach. They're going to be good defensively. Cunningham, Ivy, 
Bondanovich and Stewart are all very solid defenders. Sadiq Bey, not so much. But ultimately, you know, one guy not playing defense, I don't think it's going to kill them, especially he's one of their best scorers. So I don't think it's going to kill them. Question is, if they are going to make that playing game, Cade Cunningham has to take a huge year two step. Huge, and I mean huge year two step. I'm talking like, you know, last year, here's his last year's stats. He's averaging 17, 5, and 5. I think he, he's going to need to average 22, 5, and 5, or 23, 5, and 5. He's going to need to take a step up in production if they're going to make that play tournament. And I think they're going to come up just short. I think Ivy's going to make a huge impact. By the way, the Pistons absolutely knocked it out of the park with their draft this year. And we didn't really talk about this on the pod because I didn't really record a lot of summer podcasts. But let me tell you some of their, like their draft class here. You got Ivy, obviously the big thing, right? Uh, you got Gene Ivy. You also have Jalen Duran, who I really like a lot. Isaiah Livers, who's solid. I think the big thing here, right, is that they got almost too too good of young talent. And where it's like, okay, if you send off like Sadiq Bay, could you get a first round pick? Or you send off Isaiah Stewart or you know Jalen Duran, you probably get a first round pick from Jalen Duran because he was just a first round pick. That's what I would be asking. But personally, that's just me. That's the big thing. They have a lot of young talent, but again, will they reach their ultimate goal, which is making the playoffs? Not this year, but next year, I do think this team could make the playoffs. I do. At number 10, now we're talking play-in tournament, and people are going to be very pissed at what I'm about to say here. But at number 10, I have the Chicago Bulls. And you're probably thinking, what? The Chicago Bulls? This team is the number one seed in January, right? And this is the big thing that people like to make an argument for. But personally, I just don't see it. Number one, here's the big thing. DeRozan, whatever your expectations you had last year for him, and he went off last year, lower them a little bit. Because here's what's going to happen. He's getting up there in age. He's getting to his mid and late 30s. He is going to have a dip in production. He's not going to continue what he had last year. And I will gladly be proven wrong. But ultimately, he will have a step down in production, okay? Lonzo Ball is probably not coming back till January. And we haven't seen the production that we'd like to see from Kobe White. I'm a huge UNC guy, so I really want to see him succeed. But we haven't seen that elevation in terms of style of play from Kobe White. So, you know, they don't really have that guard either, that, you know, that floor general. Again, Patrick Williams is raw, but again, has natural talent, and I think he could be very good in the league. You got Vucevic, who's going to be very good, but again, he's got to guard some of those centers and bead, and I think that they could struggle. They're going to struggle this year. Question is, can Zach Levine elevate this team? And I watched the Bulls last year. They just seemed really defeated, and I think that Lonzo Ball, that injury is going to be a big issue, and DeRozan's going to have a dip in production. That's why I have him at number 10. I think that if Lonzo comes back before the trade deadline, I don't know when this guy's coming back. Because they said that he's supposed to be back for the beginning of the year or by November. And now he's supposed to be back like after New Year's, after January. And I think that's going to be a big issue for this team. I really do. At number 9, and call me bias, I really could care less, New York Knicks. The New York Knicks are going to be at number nine, and you're going to be like, what about last year? The last year was such a disaster. Absolutely. I was pissed off as a Knicks fan last year, but guess what? 
uh, Julius Randle is not going to be ball dominant this year. He is not going to be ball dominant. It's going to be Jalen Brunson. And Randle's in the playoff ball, and I think he's going to have a lot better of a season than he had last year. They have a lot of young talent, and the big issue with this team, the big issue is that they have a lot of young talent, but they don't have that, like, superstar. And Barrett hasn't shown it yet. He hasn't shown it. Can he be it? Absolutely. But he hasn't shown that step that he could be a superstar. So here are big reasons why I think the Knicks are going to be ranked number nine. It could potentially be a playoff team. Number one, Julius Randle is going to be playing off ball. He's going to get a lot of opportunities and ISO looks because everyone's going to have their attention on Brunson and Barrett. While I think Randle will thrive being, you know, more as a, like, you know, I don't really know how to describe it, but I think he'll thrive deferring to Brunson and Barrett to handle the ball in crunch time. I guess that's the way I describe it. He would, he'll be deferring, right? And I think that will help Julius Randle a lot. And I think he can get back to that 20 and 10 kind of season. Another reason is that the Knicks are never a rollover. They're not a rollover. Every every game's going to be tough for every team that they're going to play. They're going to play every team tough. That's kind of how Tibbs is in his mindset. They're going to play every team tough. And I think that they can win games versus good teams just by like that in the regular season. And also last year, they had no point guard. And that is the big issue. They were running Alec Burks at point guard. Like, he's not a point guard. They missed Derrick Rose. Quickly's more of a two guard in my opinion. They Derrick Rose. He's back. They got Brunson as a legit point guard. The only thing I have concerns with is with Brunson and Fournier on the perimeter guarding your Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. They're guarding DeJounte Murray and Trey Young or guarding Zach Levine. Like they're gonna have to guard some top guards, and I think that they will really struggle with that in the in terms of backcourt defense, personally. Because they're gonna go against Lonzo when he comes back at some point, Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton. So you look at some of these teams, Harden and Maxie, they're going to struggle perimeter defense-wise, in my opinion. But that's just me. I do expect Randall to have a bounce back here. I do. I really do. And the big thing is this Toppin's development and Quentin Grimes as well, because those are two guys that I really like. And if they can both develop, then I think that this team has a really good shot at making the playoffs. I do. Now we're talking playoffs. Number eight is the Atlanta Hawks. They made the big move to go get DeJounte Murray. But again, is Trey Young willing to play off ball? And is DeJounte Murray willing to play off ball? Those are two big questions you have to ask yourself. Because if he is, then it's like, oh, okay, it's not a big deal. But I don't like this team a lot. I don't. I don't like this team. I'm not a big fan of it. Yes, you got Trey Young, DeJounte Murray in your backcourt. But again, Hunter hasn't really shown that. You know, year that's that that leap that everyone expected him to take. He hasn't shown it yet. John Collins, he had a down year, and Capella, get him off the starting lineup, please. Onyeka Okongu needs to start for the Hawks. I'm tired of Clint Capella. He's young. He's basically the same as Clint Capella, but younger. And honestly, he's more athletic. He's honestly just a better version of Clint Capella in every aspect. And it's no shade at Clint Capella. It's just simply that they have a better guy as the center that they should be playing a lot more, personally, in my opinion. The big thing here, honestly, is their defense. And I think they've somewhat addressed their problems a little bit. Trey Young, he's going to have to guard one of the two, Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell. So I do have concerns how they match up in terms of backcourt defense. Yes, DeJounte will probably guard 
Harden or Donovan Mitchell. But remember, Trey Young, he was able to like get away with like not guarding some of these guys. Like he's gonna have to guard, you know. Okay, you don't want to put him on Garland or Mitchell. Okay, he's gonna have to match up with Isaac Okora, who's like six, seven inches taller than him. So again, there's stuff like that. Like when they match up versus other teams, they could have issues. So that's my only concern with them. I just don't think that they're better than the other seven teams. I think that they're 50-50 with the Raptors, who are next. But I think there's a clear six, and then it's a battle for seven and eight, if you're asking me. Number seven is the Toronto Raptors. And I really want to put Atlanta over Toronto, but I think the big thing here and key when I'm talking about is regular season. Toronto, they're going to go balls to the wall in the regular season. Siakam, Barnes is going to take his leap that we've all been looking for all offseason. He's going to take that second-year leap. They got Van Vliet, who kind of had a down year as the season went on. And I think that this Toronto team's good. But again, I don't think they're bad in the other six teams. I think there's a tier of six, and then it's a drop-off. At number six, and this is where the tier begins, this is a team that I think is a finals contender, but ultimately... Will have a bad regular season because they'll coast through. It's the Brooklyn Nets. This is a team, I'm going to explain this to you. They are a finals contender. And I will go out and say, this is a different team that you're going to be watching than the one you watched last year. This is a different Nets team. And be careful. Be careful on what you say about this Brooklyn Nets team because I don't think people understand how good this team is, okay? So let's let's start it off. Your starting lineup will probably look something like Kyrie Irving, uh, Joe Harris, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Nick, Nicholas Claxton, or Seth Curry, one of those guys, right? Your bench, Royce O'Neal, you got TJ Warren, Cam Thomas, Patty Mills. You have some very good depth. Very good. And this is something that they didn't have. You had your Kyrie and you had your KD, but you didn't really have anyone else after that to like back them up. You got Simmons, who's going to probably be passing a lot to KD and Kyrie. I really like this team, dude. I did. I know they're going to finish as a succeed just because they'll probably mess around the regular season. But honestly, I do think this team's going to be very good. They have the depth. I know people don't take Steve Nash seriously as a coach, but I do think that this team has a lot of potential this year. I really, 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 really do. Because if you look at this team, they got Kyrie. Again, he's a head case. But ultimately, when he's on the court, He's one of the best in the game. Kevin Durant is probably one of the seven best players in the world. And I think that, yes, their defense might be an issue and perimeter shooting. Perimeter shooting will be an issue. And that's the only concern I have with this team. Perimeter defense could be, but I think the big issue is shooting. Because you run out of lineup of Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton, they both can't shoot. So you're going to have guys who are peeling off, looking to cut off driving lanes for Kyrie and KD and they're going to peel off and try to double-team. That's the only thing I have concern with. The only thing I have concern with. But otherwise, I really like this next team a lot. At number five, Miami. Look, they're going to drop off a little bit. They're going to up there in age. But I do think, again, they're an experienced team, and they will be the number five seed. I really don't have much to say here. At number four, I got Boston. Look, the Emi Odoka drama. He probably won't be the Boston Celtics head coach again. And... I think that this might hang over their head a little bit, but I do think they'll be finishing as a top-five team, giving the Celtics a number four. At number three, and it's going to piss people off by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, that should be enough to get you as a top-five seed. 
I think they're better than an aging Miami team, and I think this Celtics thing, I don't know how to feel about this, so I'm going to put them at number three. Mitchell, Garland, yes. Are they going to be bad on defense? Yes, but it's the regular season, offense wins, and defense wins in the postseason, but offense wins in the regular season. So I have them at number three. And number two, the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis coming out for revenge after last season. I expect him to be guns blazing this year. I think he'll finish second in MVP voting behind number one, Philadelphia 76ers. They made the big moves. P.J. Tucker, they got Daniel House, uh, De'Anthony Melton, who I really like. I know Cleveland obviously got Donovan Mitchell. I honestly kind of forgot to add that. But uh, Philly, I think they're going to finish as the number one regular season team. They're going to be regular season superheroes, and Joel Embiid will win MVP. That's my prediction. So here's the one through eight. It's Philly, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston, Miami, Brooklyn, Toronto, and Atlanta. And then your 9-10 is New York, Chicago. Then 11 through 15 is Detroit, uh, Detroit, Charlotte, Washington, Orlando, Indiana. So we're going to run through the playoffs real quick just to like have some fun. Philly, Atlanta, give me Philly in six. Milwaukee, Toronto, two versus seven. I have Milwaukee in five. Cleveland, Brooklyn, Brooklyn in six. I just think that Brooklyn... Kevin Durant, they're going to have a hard time stopping KD and Kyrie. Give me the Brooklyn Nets in six. Celtics, uh, Heat, another seven-game series, but give me the Celtics. Uh, Here where we have, what, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Give me Milwaukee in probably five. I just think that Giannis is just going to have to, you know, it's just going to overwhelm the Brooklyn Nets. And I do think that they're coming out for revenge this year. Give me the, actually, Bucks in six, not five, six. Bucks in six. And then... Philadelphia and Boston, that's going to be a fun series, but give me Philadelphia in seven. Then Philly versus Milwaukee, winner goes to the finals. I have Milwaukee Bucks. I think they're on a revenge tour this year. I have them winning the finals. If I had to rank contenders, there's four contenders in the in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion, finals contenders. It's Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. And then if you want to add a fourth, it could be Boston because they were in the finals last year. But I have three legit ones for this year. It's Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. Those are my three contenders in the Eastern Conference. So that will do it for the Eastern Conference predictions. I will hand out the Western Conference as well. Look, I think the NBA right now is the most talented I've ever seen. It. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of teams, you know, you're like, oh, wow, this team's a seven seed. This team's got a lot of talent on their team. Like, here's, a, here's an example. Uh, Toronto. This is a good example. Toronto and Detroit, right? Detroit's the 11. I have them as the 11 seed. I think in any year, they could be a 9 or 8 seed. But this year, then for the future, the league is getting better and better in terms of talent. Like, if you put this Detroit team in 2017, I think this team's a, a 9 or 8 seed. But Detroit, right now, because the NBA is so talented, it's ridiculous. I think that this is a team that's like an 11 seed. And Toronto, they got a bunch of young talent. They got Fred Van Vliet. They got Scotty Barnes, who won Rookie of the Year last year. Like, this is a solid team. They're only a 7 seed. They were, think about this, they were a, what were they, a 5 seed last year? They're, they got they got two spots worse. And no one really made blockbuster moves in the and be in, in especially in the Eastern Conference, no one really made a blockbuster move, right? 
really besides Cleveland and Atlanta, but they're ahead of Atlanta, in my opinion. So they really didn't, like, you know, teams just got better, like, you know, Durant and Simmons. So it's very interesting to see the East and just really not just East, the NBA grow as a whole. So I'm really excited for the NBA season. That will do it for today's episode of Shaq Sports Talk Pockets. I'm still hyped about the Yankees winning game one. That was so that made that made my night. I was so happy about that. We will have game. T- we'll try to have game two out for Thursday night and NFL predictions and stuff like that. By the way, Thursday night game. I don't know if I talked about this. Thursday night game sucks. It's absolute dog. It's terrible. It's probably the worst of the year. So, I highly suggest watching something else. You know, maybe hang out with your family or something instead of watching that game because that game is going to be brutal. So that will do it for today's episode of the Shaq Sports Talk podcast. Let me know what you guys think of my predictions. I have, again, to make sure you guys understand, Philly at 1, Milwaukee at 2, Cleveland at 3, Boston at 4, Miami at 5, Brooklyn at 6, 7 as Toronto, 8 in Atlanta, 9 in New York, 10 in Chicago, 11 Detroit, 12 Charlotte, 13 Orlando, 14 Wa- or wait, 13 Washington, 14 Orlando, 15 Indiana. That will do it for my predictions. In the Eastern Conference, we'll probably do the West. I honestly don't know, to be honest with you. But they will be out before Tuesday. I may have said that earlier. It will be out before Tuesday night. So make sure your you know notifications are on. Make sure you follow the Twitter. I'm really excited. You know, you got NFL weekend, good slate coming up. Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles, Cowboys. Those are two really good games. So we have a lot to look forward to in the future. So. That will do it for today's episode of Shag Sports Talk Podcast. It's a little bit late. I probably have to go to bed soon. So that will do it for this episode of the Shag Sports Talk Podcast. Shag Sports Talk Podcast is out.